That's right. The long version of the Careless Whispers intro. You know what that means, ladies and gentlemen. That means that we are not taking calls tonight, and that if you're listening to this podcast, you're either Calvin, me, Matt Rory, or Liz Ferola, and that's it. Nobody else gets it live tonight, so this is a very special version of Careless Whispers here on CLNS Radio, and it's special for a few reasons, Calvin. One is because it's brought to you by Lynda.com. And if you want a free 10-day trial to lynda.com, go to www.lynda.com slash CLNS. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that later in the show. But, Calvin, this is the first Careless Whispers sponsored as well by Peak Organic Brewing Company. And we're going to get to talk about that a little later, too. A beer company, Calvin. Are you excited about this? I am, I am. I can't wait to try it. I can't wait to drink it during the show. I can't wait to slur my words to it. There you go. That's that's a good endorsement if I've ever heard one. I'll tell you a little bit more about Peak as well uh, as the show goes along. But as uh, as always here on Careless Whispers, we are going to have a good time. But not as always. Not a great time, though. Not a great time tonight because we're, we're not leading off with a Celtics topic. That's... That's the first problem here. Uh, and the reason for that is because... Do I have this celebration song? I do. Is this going to play? Well, it's a celebration for Calvin, anyway. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's all you get. Ten seconds. Uh, but it is a celebration for Calvin because, Calvin, congratulations... Your Los Angeles Lakers beat our Boston Celtics in overtime the other night. It was a thrilling game, one of the best games of the entire NBA season, and it really meant something. Wait a minute. I did not just get in the hot tub time machine, folks. That game was nothing to be happy about, so Calvin, please tell me, why were your Lakers celebrating so much? After that game, well, I'm a little confused because I thought we were going to start with the Celtics topic, but the Celtics played. The Celtics played in this game, so <laughs> they did. So it kind of is a Celtics topic, but I thought we were going Lakers first. Oh, which is what I. That's fine. Uh, I guess I never really listed it. Okay, go ahead. All right, so um, you know, I wish we had the audio, but frankly, we just couldn't be bothered this week. But uh, Kobe was on uh, Jimmy Kimmel, I believe it was Monday night. Is that correct? I'm, uh, I'm not sure. I think it was Monday night. Yeah, it has to be Monday night because it's not Sunday and it's not tonight. Right. I guess it could have been Friday, but I feel like I would have known about it before. Uh, uh, if it was if it was Friday, the game hadn't happened yet. Oh, look at you. Yeah, that, you, you should be a detective. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, so they played on Sunday night. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel somehow acquired a video uh, for celebration going on after the game. I'm sure he pulled it off fine or he pulled it off YouTube or, or someplace, but... Well, there was an interview, too, so, I mean, it must have been recorded somewhere, you know? I'll pause. I'm sorry. Can you pause it? What? Give me a second, all right? Okay. 
we're back. Five minutes into the show. Five minutes into the show, we get the pause music out there. Last Christmas. There you go. There's our pause music, ladies and gentlemen. Debuted here tonight. It's like we we have a live show, but we don't. Think about that. Yeah, it's like live I had debut. a restroom emergency or something. Something happened. What was it? You don't know. Maybe maybe Calvin had a bird fly into his window. Maybe. Maybe he had a bird man fly into my window. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, the, the Lakers yeah, celebrating. Yeah. It was there, uh, and I had said that there was some sort of interview I- involved because uh, that I saw that there was a microphone in front of these guys. So it was taped by someone, whether it was a local news station or what. Well, Nick Young, after games, sometimes uh, <coughs> sort of conducts his own interviews with either the media or, you know, he'll bring up players. Oh, boy. That's yeah, right. He'll, he'll bring other players into it. He sort of is trying to make himself a media attraction, and I guess... If you're dating Iggy Azalea, that's, that's you know some credits put in the bank in terms of uh, pushing you in that direction. But yeah, so he's been known to sort of not really care about results of games and like have an optimistic spirit no matter what. He t- you know that's that's what he would describe as his swag, and that's what makes him swaggy. P. I'm uh, that he gave himself as well, by the way. But so that's kind of his thing. So he did that. He, you know, involved Jeremy Lin. Uh, who else? Who, who's the, the main guy that he involved in it? Jordan Hill Jordan, was there. Jordan Hill was there. Carlos Boozer jumped in and said, meep, basically. And then <laughs> was out of the shot. So they were all going wild and sort of celebrating after the, the, the big Laker win in overtime at home over the Celtics, over the mighty Celtics. And Jimmy Kimmel showed that to Kobe. So just kind of, of stone faced him, just like didn't even didn't even react or say anything. He was just like he just had a look on his face like these idiots. Now it, that's got to mostly be because Kobe realizes that the the game means nothing, right? Uh, I'm sorry, I, I don't really understand your question. You mean like do you think Kobe would was you think Kobe would respond differently if he thought the game was important or? Uh, yes, yes, I do. I do believe that. Um, I feel. I feel like. I feel like Kobe's looking at them and saying, "You guys don't know what it, what winning is," and just thinking that they should be more focused, etc. I sort of think that Kobe would. Uh, wait, now something's happening on my computer. Um, I hear that. I hear that now. Yeah, interesting. Do we have to play Last Christmas again? No. You know, <laughs> Hold on. No, we're just going to leave this in the show. We... <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. Like my, my computer was getting hacked by Internet Explorer. I never, I haven't used Internet Explorer in forever. I actually clicked the button, and it was chaos. Uh, the podcast of all podcasts. Nick Chelsea is going to love this one tomorrow morning. Yeah. So, um, this, this, yeah, the thing about Kobe is just like. He doesn't like that sort of like attitude, no matter what. I think he'd be mad about it, honestly, unless it's like a finals win. It, I think any regular season game, even if they beat Oklahoma City, if they're in the locker room reacting like that. Well, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I'm saying. Especially if this team is this bad, that's really the bigger picture, right? Like, it's okay to be happy right. when you're winning. It's okay, like you look, you watch the videos of Golden State Warriors and you see them all on the airplane, like singing a song together, and you're like, all right, well, they got the best record in the league. Like, You know what I mean? But when, you shouldn't be this happy when you 
there had listen there 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 can be some sort of celebration time period especially when you're a, a winning team but to to be that over the top like the Lakers were or those few players were anyway uh is not something that they should probably do again you know i mean they should they need to be more focused on on what what's really going on here and they should be pr- trying to make themselves better and as byron scott said more professional he, he condemned it and said that they were unprofessional but i think that he's probably behind the the fact that they were a little bit excited about this win. when was the last time the lakers won by the way calvin uh i believe they lost eight in a row before this game okay and has there been a celebration like this at all this season for the lakers um you know what not really something that's been advertised on this level like i said Nick Young is often sort of the same guy in locker rooms after pretty much every game. Like he, he has yeah, to, win or lose, he's going to interview people and he's going to have a, a good time. He's going to goof right. off. But uh, are, are is there any sort of a celebration that you can think of that the Lakers have had? No, not, not really. I mean, I'm sure. It's, okay, I'm sure it's happened. I haven't followed them in the locker room closely enough. I guess this is not this is not out of the norm behavior. Yeah. Sure. So I guess what, what bothers me about it is is the fact that so Lakers coach Byron Scott said that he saw Kobe's clip on Jimmy Kimmel and that he he didn't like what he saw and that he took the, that video to the team uh, to practice today and he chastised them for that. Nobody actually got any discipline, but he said he, you know he thought it was unprofessional behavior and not Laker like. Well. See, my conspiracy theory is that Byron Scott hates the Celtics and that he probably instilled this in them, not necessarily getting them to be that celebratory, but uh, maybe pump this game up a little more than the, the average regular season game. That's what I would say. My my issue with it is, like, how do you not know about this? How do you not know who Nick Young is? How does Jimmy Kimmel have this video that you've never seen and you, like, you have to see it on his show? Like, I don't buy this idea that he doesn't know what's going on in the Laker locker room exactly. after games. So, my, it's like unprofessionalism. I feel like he just realized that there was a backlash, and then all of a sudden he had to spring into action. I'm not a huge fan of Brian Scott of the way he does things as a head coach. And I just, yeah... I just feel like to jump on it after the fact when it's been going on forever, particularly with Nick Young, it just strikes me as as cheap opportunity. I agree. I don't think that uh, that Byron Scott should just be this reactionary. He, that's pretty much what it, what it has been. He's just reacting to the media, and I don't know. I, I just. I've never liked the guy, and we talked about this when he was hired. I don't think either one of us really liked the hire either. Uh, but, it, I mean, they went with him, and I don't know whether they have somebody else in mind, if somebody down the line, if there's somebody else on the on the coaching staff that would supplant him in the near future, but uh, I just don't know if he's the right coach for any situation in the NBA, let alone the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, but they're not very good. So what are you going to do, right? Just let them play, right? Just let them just running, run around and have a good time. And when something gets caught up in the media, even a joke on Jimmy Kimmel, uh, Byron Scott will take action. Yeah, yeah. When it, when it's in the public eye, they'll do something about it. Great. Way to go. That's your favorite. That's one of your favorites. Yeah, I didn't even mean to hit that. I just... It, it was... 
selected, and I was I clicked play by accident. It was a mistake. I meant to I meant to hit this one. Cause I'm pissed off for greatness. Yes, thank you. Quite different, right? Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. Well. Now we got something. That's uh. That's a good. That's a good eight minutes on uh, on the Lakers. Yeah. That's that's pretty much all you get. Um. Oh, I guess I have more drops on here than I thought I did. I have this as well. That's too quiet. Yeah, that's. I can use that one again. It doesn't work. Like all those, all those uh, Johnny Most drops sound terrible too. By the way, can we just be honest? I love those things, though. I love they're those like, things. Uh, actually, anyway. they're like unlistenable. Like the sound quality is. Oh, all right, whatever. A dirty vicious yeah. punch. Sounds like a train conductor. It's disgusting. It's disgraceful. Uh, so speaking of Johnny Most, he was the longtime announcer for the Boston Celtics, and uh, you know what? I forgot to remind people that CLNS Radio is on Twitter, at CLNS Radio, and on Facebook. Go to clnsradio.com slash Facebook. And I'm on Twitter, at Team Green Truth. So if you're listening to this tomorrow or the next day or in a month, and you want to tell me how beautiful my live reads are, shoot me a tweet, and I'll probably read it. Um, Oh, you know what, Calvin? I also haven't mentioned the survey in a long time. CLNSradio.com slash survey. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, let's just go have another survey. That time. Yeah. That time I got my survey game up. That's right. It's it's that time to uh, fill out a survey. But the point of me going to try and roll into this live read is because we have a double Celtics topic coming up. Uh, One of which would indicate that the Celtics are going in one direction. And another, which would indicate that the Celtics are in a heap of trouble again, much like they were ten years ago, which is uh, what Larry H. Russell has written a book and about. Me. You wrote. That's right. You're part of this. You, uh, you yeah. co-wrote the book for Larry, for LHR. That's right. That's the that's what we're going with here. Uh, do you remember what it's called? Then you must. It's called uh, the Boston Celtics: The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. Yeah, it's a good. It's oh wait, what what was it again? You want to try again? I'll give you another chance here. Okay, uh, the Boston Celtics riding the wave of failure in the late eighties, early nineties. Uh, right. Okay, and uh, one more try. We'll give you one more try before. The Boston Celtics catch the fever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all three of those are wrong, Calvin. It's called Fall of the Boston That's Celtics. Right. That's right. I'm just teasing. Yes. How bad luck, bad decisions brought the mighty Celtics empire to its knees and ushered in the dark ages. I'm sorry. I can't get through that whole uh, title without uh, chuckling because it's so long. It's But it's wonderful, Larry. I'm sorry. Uh, but really, uh, he was very involved in uh, covering the Celtics at that point. And he knows a whole lot about what was going on back then. Uh, and he wrote that this book, so go and check it out. If you want to get some more information on it, you can go to clnsradio.com and get it there. Or you can tweet at LHR himself, which is CLNS underscore LHR. And please use the hashtag, Fall of the Boston Celtics. Boom. Uh, Rory, we want to talk about the rise the, of the Boston Celtics. 
we do want to talk about the rise of the Boston Celtics, and I think uh, that's that's what this first topic was trying to do. Uh, the the acquisition of Isaiah Thomas, um, but alas, the second topic, which I guess we can roll them both into into the the same thing. Oh, let's keep one big Celtics seven. mush. Okay, fine. I won't say what the second topic is. Uh, so Isaiah Thomas was acquired the other day, last few days, last week, let's say Thursday, just before the trade or the, on the trade deadline day last Thursday. Um, and we both agree that as far as the assets that were traded in the deal, the Celtics got the better the better deal, and uh, they improved their roster. So going forward, you would think that that's something that is a positive, and then they're trying to push for the playoffs this year, which is something that we've also both agreed on in the, in the past, that it, they should go in that direction as opposed to tanking. Uh, so I like this acquisition. His first game started, it was a little rocky because he got ejected for rolling the ball towards Tony Brothers, and that whole situation was kind of ridiculous, if you ask me. Um, but the game where where he played against Phoenix, his old team, he looked very good. The Celtics won that game, and I think that he is really going to be something that injects some life into this Celtics lineup down the stretch here. Uh, and while I still don't believe they're going to make the playoffs, because I think Miami's still good enough with Dragic, even though Bosch is not going to play, uh, and I think Indiana's only going to get better when Paul George comes back in a few weeks. So I don't believe the Celtics will make the playoffs with Isaiah Thomas, but I think he gives them a better chance to do so. Okay, so then, then what do you what do you make of Danny Age moving Tayshawn Prince, who had been one of your better players in the moments before he left? Do you... I'm, I'm not sure, in retrospect, if the Isaiah Thomas trade was made with the Celtics making the playoffs in mind. I kind, I kind of think that the, the only reason he made the deal is because Isaiah Thomas is on such a friendly contract. Honestly, because he's liked Isaiah Thomas for a while, though, and I think that I mean it is an upgrade at the point guard position, even though he's going to be coming off the bench for a little while. Right. I, I mean, I don't know if I if I think he should be coming off the bench either, but I'll, I'll get to that in a second. I just think I'm not I'm not sure that Ainge puts any value on making the playoffs, and it seems like a lot of these GMs are going in that direction where if you're not a legitimate contender, there's no value in making the playoffs, and I don't necessarily agree with that. I know you don't either, and I, I kind of, well, as far as making the playoffs versus. Uh, your future and maybe next year or the year after. I don't, I'm not going to say that Jonas Jarebko is going to be a better player than Tayshaun Prince overall ever. I will never say that because Prince is a, is a lifer in the NBA and he's an excellent player. He still can get it done to this day. But I think that when you're weighing the playoff stretch run right now versus what Jarebko might be able to give you next year, if you like Jarebko as a player, then making this deal make sense uh, because otherwise you, you were just going to buy out Prince and you have nothing you have nothing to show for it, right? So as far as Danny Ainge is concerned, he well, why would regard, I mean, that's, that, that was, that seems to be, that was reported that, that the Celtics reneged on a deal to buy out Tayshaun Prince and then they shipped him off to Stan Van Gundy and that's when Stan Van Gundy was asked the question about why aren't you going to buy out Tayshaun Prince? And he's like, well, 
I didn't trade for a guy that cost more than the two guys I sent out to buy him out. I, I wanted to play for this team. I think he can help us. But it was basically Van Gundy's answer. So, to me, Ainge is looking at this and saying, yes, maybe he values what Prince can do this season less than what Drebko can do next season. But I don't think that Tayshaun Prince is the thing that's going to push you over the top to make the playoffs in the East. He would have helped. He would have been a nice piece, and he's a good locker room guy, and he would have helped the, the young guys grow a little bit over the next couple of months. But as far as pure talent on the floor, Isaiah Thomas makes much more of a difference, and that's why I think that he's the, the thing to focus on here, and, not, and the Prince deal isn't that big of a deal at all. No, I don't think it's a huge deal, and I do think that they're in, in a position to uh, at least make a run of the playoffs. I'm just... The, re- the reason the Tayshaun Prince uh, deal is interesting to me is it, it sort of allows you to question the motives of Danny Ainge and whether or not that move was uh, to – whether or not the Isaiah Thomas move was with the playoffs in mind because I, I kind of don't think it was. I, I think, like you said, he liked Isaiah Thomas. He liked him at that contract particularly, and it was a situation where he was going to be able to get that asset because – uh, Phoenix was sort of disgruntled with him, and I, I think he just jumped on that opportunity. But I, I don't really feel like he wants to make the playoffs. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done the Tayshawn move because the Tayshawn, not that it's a huge deal, but he, he would be getting rid of a guy. Oh, or why would he even like? Why would buying out Tayshawn be even be on the table if if the playoffs were the goal? Because again, it's not like he's playing amazingly, but he has since since the trade been one of their more consistently productive players, and he's a guy who knows how to play well in big games, unlike almost everybody else on the roster. Well, Danny Ainge has bought players out in the past, and I think that he's one that if a deal is not there and a player does not want to be there, then uh, he would allow that buyout to happen. So maybe that was the case, and he said to Tayshaun, listen, if we don't get something that we like, then we will buy you out, but... uh, so, I mean, I, maybe they just agreed that he wasn't going to be there anyway because he's a veteran player and he wants to play for a contender. So that's the way I would sort of look at it. It's just he wasn't going to be there for for the run anyway, even though we think that he would have helped them for a playoff run. And Ainge just said, all right, instead of buying you out, I can get something that I might be able to use. These, I might be able to use these players next year. I mean, supposedly Datome is a young guy, right? Relatively, relatively young, and maybe he can play in a year or two. I don't, I don't know his deal, but from what I've seen from Jarebko, he's a serviceable backup role player if you get him in the right in the right spots in the right system. So I don't, I don't know. He, I, I, I speculate that he's probably going to have a tough time cracking the rotation this year, but who knows? Maybe he can, he can stick next season, and that's what Ainge is looking at. But either way. If you're not going to keep Tayshaun Prince, and you know that, regardless of what other people think, why not trade him away? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's that angle, I suppose. I I don't, I mean, it's just Tayshaun Prince, so I guess I'm, I'm, what am I haggling with you over over that for nothing? I'm just, I'm just questioning. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm just questioning his overall motives. As far as Isaiah goes, um, I don't love him, but I, I I like him a lot at that price that they're getting him for. I don't know that I want another small guard, but if you if you're playing him with Marcus Smart, it's not that really that big of a deal. 
you're playing with Avery Bradley a, a little bit more so. Um, I do wonder whether or not he'll be starting. Uh, I, I feel like since they picked him up, Evan Turner has not played very well at all in the last few games, so we'll see if that affects his confidence at all. Um, he certainly seems to be out on the court at the games. What are you doing? Uh, I like his attitude that he showed sort of staring down the Suns bench when they played. That was fun. <laughs> Uh, he, well, I mean, he definitely has something to prove to that team, I guess. They traded him away. I don't know if he really needs to direct it at the players, but maybe more more so the coach. Um, but yeah, Evan Turner is the guy that needs to be the odd man out in my mind. If you're going to play those three guys and, uh, he's not going to handle the ball as much, but he should handle it still a little bit. If he can't adjust to that, that change in his role, then he sit him down and play Jay Crowder more, you know? I mean, at least that guy will give you some hustle and just tell him not to shoot the ball. He's still on that. Uh, so, I mean, Evan Turner is going to get time because there's there's not enough bodies to, to play right now. And maybe when Olenek comes back, they'll go a little bit bigger and Turner will get snuffed out a little bit. But uh, for now, he's going to play. And it's just it's just a matter of whether he can change his game and adjust to the the new role, you know? Yeah, I guess it's, it remains to be seen. I Do you think he should be starting? I think Isaiah Thomas should be starting, but the, their argument is that he was coming off the bench in Phoenix so that he's comfortable there and why shift him into a starting role? And my argument to that, my counter-argument to that would be, well, he is coming to a new team anyway and playing with new players, why not put him in the starting role? Who cares whether he's he's yeah. comfortable coming off the bench or not? I think that he's the better player and he should be the starter. And I think eventually he will be the starter on this team um, unless he plays so well and they say, oh, he's playing so well off the bench, he's going to stay there. But he will be playing more minutes than Marcus Smart and Avery Bradley probably uh, by the end of this the season because he's the he's the supreme talent on the team he's the be, he's probably the best player overall on the team actually uh, at this point that will be on the floor for the for the next season and arguably I, I would say that he's he's better than Sullinger and Olenek anyway so right. um, uh, Thomas is the guy now this is he's he he is the Boston Celtics he's going to be the guy and I mean Marcus Smart may be that guy in a year or two but. He's not right now. Thomas is the better player, and especially because Smart is a rookie and he's a lot to learn. So I would rather see Marcus Smart go back to the bench, have Thomas play with Bradley for a little bit, and have Smart be the first guy off the bench for Bradley. You know what I'm saying? And then just mix it up that way and then bring Bradley back from, back in in a few minutes for Thomas. But Thomas eventually, to me, is gonna should be and will be the guy that is getting 30, 35 minutes a game at the point guard position. And I guess it, it doesn't really matter if he's not starting, if he's still getting significant with the starters. As long as Brad Stevens is not like a, a unit rotation type of uh, coach anyway, so it's not like you know Thomas is always with going to be right. with the secondary unit guys. That's not really you know what I mean. He has more of like okay, these are my guards. I'm going to rotate them, and these are my big men. I'm going to rotate them. And right. so yeah. yeah, so he's going to play with all the same guys. It's kind of. <laughs> It's less important than it is on some other team, whether or not 
you know, who starts and who doesn't start. Well, I'm hoping that Kelly Olenek is back tomorrow night, uh, especially because Jared Sullinger, as we know, is out for the entire season. His stress reaction, Calvin, suddenly turned into a stress fracture, uh, and I don't know whether that was just coach speak before they really knew what was going on and Coach Stevens didn't want to say fracture, uh, or whether he knew and he just didn't want to freak anybody out uh, at the time. Uh, but it is a stress fracture in his foot. Two out of the three seasons that Sollinger's been in the league have ended early now because of injury, and his durability is starting to become a question here. It was a question before the draft because of his back, but guess what? His back has held up really well. It's just everything else that seems to be he gets he gets hurt. So should this be something that Danny Ainge looks at and says, I don't really know if this is a guy that I can build around anymore? Or is it just, well, come on back next year and hopefully you're stronger and you don't get hurt? Well, yeah, that was kind of my question to you. It's like, is it early enough? In, I'm sorry, is it, is it late enough in his career where, where it's fair to label him? with the injury-prone label. I don't know. It seems like it might be a little early, but especially because... I mean, when did Greg Oden get get that injury-prone label? Was it after his first non-season or his second non-season? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Sullinger's had one full season, which is nice. What? Yeah, you'd have to think it was after his second full non-season. I don't think he... Right, yeah. I would think. I mean, he was all hurt in college. But that's, right? like, so an ext- it wasn't- that's like an extreme... Yeah, Sollinger that's was like an extreme case, too. Yeah. Right, that's what I'm saying. Sollinger had a back, a serious back problem in college. He came out of college, and the Celtics drafted him. They knew that the back problem was there. Uh, they ended up, he, I think he ended up having surgery for the back problem, and it, he like came out with flying colors, and everything went well, and his back was fine. Uh, and then he's he's injured other other things. So it, it's it's not the back that's a problem anymore. So I mean, but that's that's the thing that would, I would look at and say, well, it's not a chronic back issue, but it's a foot or it's a finger or it's a shoulder, uh, whatever whatever it is. And I don't know whether it's just that he he's been playing hard or that he's just injury prone. This this stress fracture thing sounds somewhat freakish, but also he's overweight. Uh, maybe he's out of shape or something, or he doesn't care. I don't. I don't really know how that works. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, could his shape factor into uh, what's going on with his with his injury? You know what I mean? And especially with something like the feet. Or could it be style of play? Could it just be that he bangs around so much that you know his his style of play is going to lead to a lot of injury? That's the question. I don't. I don't really know. Uh, it, it's tough because I mean, not well. Yeah, I will refer back to six years ago, seven years ago, when Kendrick Perkins was here, and obviously not a focal point on offense, etc. But was on the floor a lot, and he started having um, plantar fasciitis problems, you know. And people were looking at him and saying, "Oh, maybe this guy's not durable," but. That is something that, I mean, even Joakim Noah went through that and probably is currently going through that. Nene goes through that stuff. It's just a big man thing, you know. Uh, but those guys, I mean, maybe not Perkins, but the other guys, 
are experiencing it later, a little bit later in their career. So uh, my concern would be that it's happening to Sollinger or he's having foot problems already in his third year. Perk fought through it, and it ended up being fine for, for him. Uh, but he was not the same player after afterwards. Joakim Noah seems to have recovered pretty well, but he's not the same player this year as he was in, in prior years. Uh, so this is something that, especially for a big man in the NBA, if you start having foot problems this early, that could be a big that could be a big thing that just ends your career or ruins your career. So I'm I'm really starting to question whether this is a guy that you can build around, or maybe you don't have maybe you don't put as much pressure on him and as much weight on him. Don't run him out there 35 minutes a game, and just start managing those minutes already if you if you want him to be a part of your team going forward. Yeah, and the, the other thing is is you know is am I not uh, doing the math right? But does he not go into, into his restricted free agency year at the end of next year? So they're going to have whether or not to try to offer him an extension before October 31st of, of this season. You know, because that's usually when they try to lock guys up before they get to that restricted free agency period. Are they going to offer him a contract? It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, he's a restricted free agent um, at the end of this season. At the end of this season. Oh, I thought it was after the end of next season. Oh, no, I'm sorry. At the end of... Wait, what is this? Oh, the qualifying offer at the end of this right, season. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they'll have to... They'll try to. They'll have to. He's through 15 16 and then the qualifying offer. So, yeah, next season. Right. They'll have to decide whether or not you know he deserves that and whether or not his injuries now are going. Calvin? All right, all right. Well, that's enough on Jared Sollinger because he's out for the season and we're all sad about it. So um, let's let's get into the next topic. But before that, since we're going away from the Celtics topics, I'll have to remind everybody, the Garden Report will be shot tomorrow night, which is Wednesday night, which is tonight for some of you, or last night for some of you or last week, for others. Let that sink in. Either way, the Celtics are playing or played the Knicks, and Jared Weiss, not Jared Sollinger, Jared Weiss, will be there, and he will be recording the Garden Report uh, after the game, and he puts that up on YouTube. So check out the CLNS Radio YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Radio. And uh, Jared's got a lot of good stuff up there as far as locker room interviews, and uh, he and Jimmy Toscano and a few other guys get on the garden, are on the parquet floor or up in the rafters, and they break down the game and the hot topics of the night. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot going on with uh, the Knicks in town, the the 10-win Knicks, so be sure to check that out. He does a really good job uh, putting that thing together for everybody there on YouTube. Um... Next, Calvin, is another NBA topic. Do you believe it? 
More NBA. More NBA. This this show is just full of NBA. Uh, this is something that, honestly, I don't really have a whole lot to say about. And I'm going to let you do your little rant and see if I have any rebuttal. Because I think you're probably just going to say everything and I'm going to agree with you. But here we go, everybody. Calvin on... Philadelphia, etc. in the NBA. Well, look. Let's I, call it asset collection, right? Not tanking. Go. No, no, not tanking. I don't want to go on too long for this with this, but uh, you know the trade deadline was on Thursday. We saw what Philadelphia did, which was trading Michael Michael Carter Williams and KJ McDaniels. Two young players, no, neither one was going to be a superstar, right? But two young players with value. We saw uh for, for basically picks and rolling over again. Like, the, the idea that Sam Hinkie is this genius who, like, has it all figured out and, and it, that other people don't have it yet, sure, Philadelphia might be good at some point, but that's only because their plan is to, to keep trading away their talent to go back down to the bottom of the lottery until they get somebody who is going to be a star. Because that's how you win the NBA stuff. So it doesn't take this asset collecting genius. It just takes somebody willing to be bad for long enough to get that guy. And you have to luck out and hope that guy is is the superstar of superstars, and not just a guy good enough to bring you back to that middle in the first place, which Michael Carter Williams was, and you know whoever the next guy is. So at at, at some point, being being horrible year in and year out, yeah, okay, maybe a championship is worth it. Maybe. You can argue, like, is, is 10 years of being horrible worth, worth the title? I don't know. I don't, that's an interesting question. But you, know, but you know what 10 years of being horrible is not worth? Being a title contender. It's not worth being horrible for 10 years, getting a star player and having him not be the top guy, be, have your team be good enough to eventually then work your way up through the middle and then back to contention and then and never win a title. Then you, but you did have to sit through those eight years. Congrats, you're you're a contender, all of a sudden, Sam Hinkie will be looked at like he was a genius. But it, it's a lie, because if you just if you just tried from the beginning, there are other guys who can do it faster, and maybe they don't win a title either. But if, if you don't win a title, then it's like you're, you're not doing any better than they did. And even if you do win a title, it's just because you got lucky and got the right superstar in the draft by, by, by actively tanking over and over again. Yeah, you know what? That's... That's why I that's why I prefer Danny Ainge's approach to this. He tried one year to have a terrible team because of the circumstances that he was given, and he knew that Rondo was hurt, etc. It didn't work out. They didn't get the pick that they were looking for. They still got a player that they like and that they're going to try and groom going forward, right? Marcus Smart. Right. And at the same time, they are now in the middle. And, I mean, I know you don't necessarily believe that what he did at the trade deadline was a push for the playoffs, but I truly believe that just the acquisition of Isaiah Thomas alone is something that makes them a better team, regardless of who you're going to play in that Tayshawn Prince role. And the Sollinger thing hurts, but I don't know. I don't really, I mean, he may have, Ainge may have, may have had a, an idea that Sollinger might be out for a while when he made the trade at the deadline, but I think ultimately he's just looking for talent and he got that and uh, they're, they're better because of it. Now, again, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs but just the fact that he's trying to make a push going forward now, building from the middle, and he still has a bunch of assets that he can use to try and make more trades like that. Now, 
Isaiah Thomas is not a superstar. He's not a guy that you're going to be able to draft in the top two or three picks, number one, whatever. I'm not saying that. But he is a guy that, like you were saying, is maybe a good piece, you know, on a team that is not going to put you over the hump, but uh, like Michael Carter-Williams will be good for a, a team that's in the middle of the pack and then trying to build for something more, right? Right. And more, more importantly, Larry, and this is this is the bigger thing I want with this asset-based GM. You know what the problem is when you come in with your Harvard Law degree and you want to talk about how you know all the players are assets and I'm just going to move and put the best guys together with the best guys? Uh, and, you know, try to trade for something better, try to get something better. Like, I don't know if you know this, but those guys who plan the team, those are human beings. Like, they're, they don't, they're not necessarily right. happy with being treated like assets. When you, cre- when you create a reputation for being entirely asset-based, like, that, that's what happened with them in KJ McGann. It was a second-round pick. They tried to force him uh, into a four-year contract that, w- that, that was not guaranteed because that's what they – uh, that's what they realized they could do with second-round picks. They could leverage them, and that's why Philadelphia trades for second-round picks all the time. Well, that's great, except K.J. McDaniels wasn't, didn't want to be leveraged. He, he put himself in a situation where, no, sign me to a one-year deal, as opposed to most guys, they're just happy to be under contract because they have no leverage advantage. And then he resented being put in that position. So what did they do? They, had, they got a player who was good, and they had to get rid of him because he wasn't going to re-sign there anyway. So in, what... What happened in, in Phoenix? Oh, oh, Ryan McDonough said, oh, we can bring in Isaiah Thomas. We can get him on this cheap $7 million deal. But guess what? Goran Dragic, your best player, didn't really like that. He wasn't a fit for the team. He wasn't a fit chemistry-wise. He wasn't a fit because there were already two point guards on the team. But instead of just picking up guys who you thought were an asset, now all of a sudden you've alienated your best player because you don't think like a, like a GM who's trying to make the best possible team. All you're looking at is your assets and trading up. Well, what happens? You alienate your best player. Same, same thing that happens is going to happen to Philadelphia when they get a player who comes in and sees what this team does to its superstar. Michael Carter Williams got moved out of Philadelphia in his second year. What do you think all his teammates are thinking right now? You, you, you think they're happy to be there? Do you think there's anybody Philadelphia wants to resign? Do you think that guy's going to be trying to resign there? No, it's like, yeah. No. Probably not because they're just they just think that they'd get traded right. as well. But that again, this is why I prefer Danny Ainge's approach because he just brought in a guy that I think is now the best player on the team. So it's not like he was bringing in somebody to to compete for Jared Sullinger's job, right? Or for uh, Steve, I keep saying Olenek because Stevens loves Kelly Olenek, Kelly Olenek's job or compete for Marcus Smart's job. No, in my mind, Isaiah Thomas should have Marcus Smart's job, and his talent level says so. That's what dictates this. So I think that he's the best player on the team, and you're not alienating uh, your best player, but maybe on the on the flip side, Ainge is sort of alienating Marcus Smart, although he will never say that. And, and Smart has approached this in the first week or first two games uh, with the, the perfect attitude. And... That's why I think that uh, that this thing might work out because the players are willing to to play with each other and lose minutes because of it. Uh, we we really hang over this Isaiah Thomas topic. I I do think love it. I, I I do think that Smart plays more off the ball at least right now anyway. So I wouldn't worry about them playing anyway. together. But the the bigger point is 
is like all these all these GMs who like don't treat people like people and like don't take that into consideration. I'm not saying uh, ignore analytics or this is not an analytics conversation. I'm not saying you know. Yeah, you're yeah, not being Charles. Exactly. Barber. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying don't you know don't take advantage of situations where you can improve your team. But I think that you have to look at chemistry. And I'm not even a, a huge chemistry guy. I don't even need chemistry. You have to look at it, what it takes to make your players happy. Because that that matters. You know, it, it matters, like, whether or not your players get along. It matters, to, I mean, to a degree, it matters. It matters, you know, how, more importantly, it matters how players play together. You know, you you seem to look better if you have guys who can fill right. in other guys' deficiencies. If you can spread the floor in certain ways, if you can run certain sets, certain guys play better with other guys. But all that stuff, if you're overlooking it, if you're the guy who's just trying to collect the best team of individuals possible, that's those aren't the teams that win in the NBA. You know, Atlanta's starting five is perfectly calibrated uh, to maximize the talents of each individual guy. That's that's the impressive thing about them. They're not even that good, but their team has been constructed in that specific way. If you're just a guy who's just looking to always get the best player and trade and trade and trade and trade up, I've, I've yet to see an example of that legitimately working out. So maybe maybe that's what Charles Barkley was talking about. When he, when he said analytics, maybe he meant what I'm saying. Maybe he meant these asset-collecting GMs don't know what they're talking about. I mean, they, they know what they're talking about, but they don't. They're, they're not taking into account things that affect the game in a, in a way. Right. Affect the yeah. Game. These guys aren't robots, right? They they have to be able to play together, and I think I think Ainge realizes that. But some of these guys, like uh, Philadelphia, Sam Hankey, he I don't think he realizes that. I know. Anyway. I'm good. Whew. 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 There he goes. Done. Damn it. Yay! Here it is. There it is. Well, somebody doesn't like it. I don't know who those people are, but they didn't like your rant. Anyway, um, Calvin, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. Time for me to tell you about Peak Organic Brewing. Yeah, that's right. Organic. You care because the ingredients that they put into this beer are delicious and they're good for you too. No chemicals, none of that pesticide bull crap from the the, the stuff that they put into this beer. Um, they're from Portland, Maine, and right now they distribute all across the eastern seaboard in New England. So. Whether you're in New Hampshire or uh, Vermont or Connecticut or Rhode Island, that's New England. Massachusetts, of course, because we're the center of New England here in Massachusetts. But uh, these guys up in Maine have really figured it out. And they, they've reached down to New York and Pennsylvania and D.C. And guess what, Calvin? Like I said earlier, they are in Whole Foods and Trader Joe's out there in California. Uh, so check it out. Peak Organic Brewing Company. It's a craft beer. It's not just this mass-produced beer. It's very delicious. Uh, they use local organics from Maine and local organics, local organic ingredients from Maine, I should say. And they just—they really know what they're doing. They are 
officially the first non-GMO verified brewery in the world. So if you know what that means, then uh, you realize that there's really no there's no hormones or any chemicals or any crap going into this beer. It's delicious. delicious. I can't even speak right now. It's so good. It's delicious. They they have a wonderful pale ale. They have a, uh, an IPA. They have a lot of winter brews, which are now going out of season. Calvin, I urge you, go to Whole Foods or Trader Joe's and find this thing. Uh, and maybe someday we'll just ship some out to you from CLNS Radio. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I'll ship some out to you from CLNS Radio. Hi-yo! Peak Organic, people. Go check it out. Peak Organic Brewery. Can I not say brewery? What? Oh, I thought you meant you're not allowed to say brewery. Peak? No, I, I, I'm like, brewery, brewery. It's a hard word. It's a hard word. I played basketball. I, I, it's late. I played basketball tonight. I'm going to blame that. Um, but, uh, yes, you should still go check out Peak Organic because they rock. It's peakbrewing.com, P-E-A-K, Brewing. Dot com. All right. Up next, Calvin, we're switching gears. We're going to the NFL, baby. Because somebody else has done something stupid. I don't know much about this this story, but Des Bryant supposedly uh, has done something foolish and dastardly and just terrible. And uh, he's caught on camera, right? Well, um, you know, Mike Florio, NFL reporter, uh went on a, a radio show recently, and he said that the, the Cowboys are reluctant to throw their franchise tag on Des Bryant because there's a video of Des Bryant doing something, quote, horrible, something that, that's reminiscent of Ray Rice, on, and it's on video, that the Cowboys know about it, but, uh, and so they're afraid it's, it's going to get out. Now... We should have had a list game for this. What things things that you'd forgive being on a on a tape? What are we talking about here? Yeah, something, something like that, or like what do you oh. think he did? Type of list game? I don't know. Well, here's I I have a problem with this journalistically. Like, how is it cool for a reporter to get information that's unconfirmed? He's never seen the tape. He says the Cowboys know about the tape. The Cowboys have since come out. Instead, they they denied basically knowing anything about this tape. How is it was cool for him to like report this responsibly without getting more information? You know, what I mean? uh, like he, he's he's putting it out there. Look, if there's a tape out there, then let the tape come out, or when it's about to come out, and be like, there's going to be a tape release tomorrow. Blah blah blah. I don't have a problem with that. But you just like say this this tape exists that he hasn't seen. Apparently, the Cowboys say they haven't seen it. You, you're basically outing Des, Des Bryant before he's even outed, or who knows he, if he even will be outed. How is that? Isn't that irresponsible? Like, how do I even know there is a tape? Just because you say there yes. is? Like, you're creating you're creating this frenzy around Des Bryant. Like, oh, well, maybe he did. Do you believe yeah. his reporting? Yeah. that's. I mean, that's basically it. Have, do, do you, have you liked what he said in the past? <laughs> that, that type of thing. Right, exactly. Have you liked what he said in the past? And it's like... It doesn't matter. Like, even if you do, even if you're right, even if you're right, I still feel like it's just irresponsible to put it out there until until I know something, until you know something. Give me more than just this garbage about, hey, there's a tape out there, uh, nobody's seen it or anything, but, uh, you know, 
maybe we'll maybe it'll get out at some point, and then it'll be a problem. Yeah. Feed me more. Yeah. Yeah, because now all of a sudden, now I'm thinking, oh, well, Des Bryant, he, he did something horrible on tape. Maybe, maybe he beat a baby to death. You know. Maybe he like ate a human skull. What a that would be the the sound behind the the TMZ uh, oh. uh, video. That would be it. That's like when they uh, show okay. the video. I just like yep. the dun dun part of the end. That's all I, that's all I like. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, I, it's just not cool. It's not cool at all. Getting up there. That's all I'm what a show! You're right. It's not cool. Mike Florio. Uh, some people respect him. I've I've always thought that he was sort of sort of a sensationalist and trying to steal the spotlight once in a while. But uh, he seems to be well liked around the country. You know. So I don't know. I don't know if I buy it. We'll have to wait and see. The Cowboys are, are playing a little. Uh, Trying to play a little cover-up here, maybe. But uh, Des Bryant is known to be a a guy that uh, doesn't really care for the law, I don't think, in the past, right? Yeah, that's true. So, I'm not, not, surprising. I'm not surprising that he could have done something else horrible, right? No, I'm not saying he's not capable of it. I'm just saying, like, you can't report that. Just because reporters hear things all the time. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I completely agree with you. I wonder. I wonder if Liz agrees with you. I don't know. Why don't we does? find out? Maybe we should find out. Do I have another live read to do? Yes, I do. Of course, because Liz Ferola is brought to you by Linda dot com and this song. Ah, uh, yes. Jonathan Resnick. Yes. All right. Who are you? Yeah. Bring it on. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. L-Y-N-D-A dot com. Great. Right, Liz? Liz, mm-hmm? let me ask you. This is your first live read ever, Liz. Uh, what is it that you think that you could learn from lynda.com? Just anything. Think of anything, and I'll, and I'll tell you if they um, Would they be able to help me with Excel spreadsheets? Yes, definitely. They would be able to help what you with Excel spreadsheets. What about touching up my resume? You know what? I feel like you've <laughs> listened to us before here, Ms. Farola. Uh, if you're looking for a new job, which I don't think you are, you shouldn't be, you're a great teacher... You could go to lynda.com slash CLNS and get a free 10-day trial because they've got a lot of other stuff, web development, photography, visual design, business. Yeah, that's pretty broad, isn't it? Guess what? They can make you a better business person. Uh, And I know that Calvin needs to be a better business person and more professional on a day-to-day basis, so he could probably go here and get his free 10-day trial as well. Calvin, just use a different name. You can get a new free 10-day trial trial. No, I'm not condoning that. L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash C-L-N-S to get that free 10-day trial because after that 10 days, you're going to you're gonna want to stick around with Linda uh, because uh, they, they really do have a lot of good tutorials over there, whether it's sports blogging or trying to, to 
get yourself in shape. Fitness. Yeah, that's right. Fitness. Get on a treadmill or something without the treadmill. Do some exercises. Linda can help you with that. So go check it out. Uh, and we appreciate Linda bringing us Liz Farola. So, Liz, what do you have for us tonight? Um, so I don't know if you guys talked about this last week with Lance Armstrong. I don't know if the update was out yet, but I just wanted to update you and tell you that he pled guilty. Did you see that? Did we already talk about that? No, go on. Lance! He knew he did it! He I mean, he came, he, he came he out and... Responsibility and for it. Yeah. I'm, how could he not take responsibility for it? It was. I mean, everybody right. knew it was him. So I, Good for Lance. Good for Lance. But you know what? Lance is the Byron Scott of this situation right now. Just reacting to something that he's been called on. And while Scott wasn't called on it, we talked about it earlier... He reacted to the Jimmy Kimmel, Kobe Bryant thing. Uh, that's exactly what Lance Armstrong is doing here. It got out, and he's reacting to it. Oh, I guess I should plead guilty. Yeah, you should, but you're well, still a snake. The headline that I read, which made me laugh, said, With no one left to blame, Lance Armstrong pleads guilty. <laughs> he what really a is a weasel. All right, anyways. Um, so <laughs> this, this story is near and dear to my heart, but um, apparently Guy Fieri officiated a mass gay wedding in Florida. Wow. Well, Why would they choose okay. him? Who's, who's Guy Fieri? Oh, sorry. Fieri. Okay, go on. <laughs> We're rolling out down to Florida. We're going to officiate this big wedding the same way we've been doing it for the last 13 months because that's when it's been legal. <laughs> so apparently... This celebrity chef, Art Smith, was so excited about Good what? Name. Sure. Art, Art Smith. Art Smith, okay. yeah. I, I don't know who that is. I mean, but. he's certainly not as famous as Guy Fieri, so. Um, so apparently he was so excited about. <laughs> Next time on Diners, Drivers, and Dives. So Florida repealed its um, same-sex marriage ban. So he had this huge party, and it had... <laughs> Fried chicken, grilled lamb, crab-stuffed avocados, empanadas, and a seven-tier gold and silver cake. And... It's just empanadas. You know what, Calvin? This cake is out of bounds. You know what, Calvin? I'm a white Irish girl from Boston. (laughs) Empanadas. The same way that we've been making them for the last 25 years. I've heard people call them before. From scratch. Um, Sometimes they have a tilde. They're just empanadas. Go on. It's an enya, Liz. That's an enya that goes over an N? What? Where does a tilde go? Go what? You don't even even speak Spanish, Calvin. How many years of Spanish did you take? Because I took one. (laughs) doesn't matter. How many empanadas have we had? How many empanadas have we had? How do you say a poncho? Do you know? How do you say what? A taco? Yeah, taco. That's right. Soft taco, hard taco. Taco. Okay. All right. So, moving on. So, apparently, Guy Fieri officiated... 101 couples, mass gay marriage. 
Next couple up, come on down. I now pronounce you husband and husband, or wife this, and wife. This is an actual um, excerpt from what the AP said. They said that many couples said that they became emotional when diners, drive-ins, and dives host Fieri, a chef with spiky hair, tattoos, and a love for Southern barbecue, officiated the ceremony in honor of his late sister, who was a lesbian. Now, Guy Fieri has a sister who was a lesbian. Do you think that she looked exactly like Guy Fieri? (laughs) I'm just saying, if he didn't have facial hair, he probably would look like... Like a lesbian? Like a masculine. Okay. Anyway, moving on. I don't think I don't think he's one of the guys who was like lesbian, but I I was just I just almost said something that would have okay, been yeah. Exactly yeah I know yeah, same. Was it empanada? Is that what you're gonna say? Yes, that's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> Those empanadas are stuffed with Although, love. Also, what the headline that? said Guy Fieri officiates masque wedding in Florida Flavor Town, which I thought was hilarious as well. We're rolling out the flavor town. <laughs> this pizza is out of bounds. You need different sayings. Out of bounds can't be everything. No, it's that makes everything. Out of bounds. That makes everything Relax. in bounds if everything is out of bounds. Right? No, because not everything is out of bounds. Only the good stuff. Only the Wait, good stuff. Good stuff out of bounds. Good stuff in bounds. Yeah. Good. <laughs> good stuff is out of bounds. You know what? I think we're, here's what we're gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna just uh, I'm just gonna start reading off of his menu at some okay. point in the show going forward. That's what I'm just gonna have the menu just off to the side, and I'll just start reading it. And that's that's all there's gonna there's so gonna be. I had I had all a right? question to pose to both of you, but I'm gonna scrap it, and instead I'm gonna ask you, which is better, soft tacos or hard tacos? <laughs> Welcome to Flavor Town. No, but seriously, I need to know. Population us. Uh, go ahead. Come on down to Guy Fieri's restaurant. All day you can get some awesome pretzel chicken tenders. Don't forget the garlic fries. Marie, you should come up with a list game for next week that's you coming up with fake Guy Fieri foods. Oh, that's a good idea in real ones. Love, peace, and taco and after, grease. After figuring out what's real that. So, Calvin, does this sound good? He's got some California egg rolls. Uh, it's chicken, avocado, fresh cabbage, trio, ginger, garlic, and red peppers drizzled with sweet soy and sweet Thai chili dipping sauce. See, it doesn't sound as good right, when I just say it in my own boring. voice. Uh, what about the guy Italian nachos? Italian. Oh, no. That's a real thing. Okay, That's a wait. real thing. I'm, all right, I'm definitely doing okay. this next week. I'm going to come up with real and fake Guy Fieri now, uh, menu items. And uh, this this uh, is something that I guess we should say we've stolen from Toucher and Rich. I think they did that, think yeah. That, that, uh, Rich, yeah. Rich has done it before. Rich has done it before, Liz. Toucher and Rich, 98.5 The Sports Hub. Listen to them because we're stealing their bit. Okay, seriously. Go ahead. Soft tacos versus hard tacos. What is your preference? Depends on the day. Oh my god, it's so complicated. Wrong answer, Mary. I I <laughs> nine times out of ten will like a soft taco because hard tacos like shatter everywhere. I like that about hard tacos, <laughs> but it, I guess I it's like, not really I a like taco. when I try Wait, to eat something, it shatters everywhere. 
<laughs> you hit the, the nail on the head, right, with your offhanded comment at the end. Fast trackers are better than hard trackers because hard trackers do not exist. There's only, there's only <laughs> one thing called a taco, and it includes a soft corn tortilla with Gallon? meat or Gallon? such items yeah. in it. So, Calvin, let me ask you, what would you call uh, a hard, like, tortilla chip shell with beef and sour cream like a, and lettuce and tomato in it? taco hard shell. <laughs> no, there's no oh, taco sorry. shapeless. Yeah. I would call it an American taco. Yeah. <laughs> Calvin, you've never been to Flavor Taco. That's why you don't know what a, a hard taco is. Come on down to Flavortown. We got some Chipotle barbecue pork soft tacos. But we've also got sashimi tacos, which are four crispy wonton tacos. Stuffed with sashimi, grade ahi tuna, mango chikami salsa and wasabi, and don't forget the sweet soy. All right, I'm literally dying. That's it. That's all I have. Yeah. Okay. So- I'm just reading off the menu now. I told you I was going to do it. <laughs> There's some fun stuff on here. Ah, uh, Liz, you should get the dragon's uh, breath well, chili. That sounds like it's spicy, so probably not. That yeah, sounds like Flavor Town in hell. Why don't you get the cedar plank salmon with jalapeno apricot jam? <laughs> what? All right. All right, that's enough. I can't hear. I week. can't hear Liz, anymore over his guy Oh, <laughs> what, is, isn't it great? That, what else that's do you have? nothing, Calvin. <laughs> yeah, I dressed you could up do this as a for hours. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I could do this. Um, for hours, yeah, that's yeah. it. Just let let me watch watch a couple episodes and I'll come back with <laughs> okay. even more. All good. Thanks, guys. That's it. That's it for Liz. All right. Well, thank you, Liz. Brought to you by Linda.com, man. All right, that's enough. Um, you have to like mix in the Pawn Stars guy or something. That Pawn yeah. Stars? I don't do the Pawn Stars guy. Oh, you mean Dave? No, the that's the storage wars guy. Yeah, I don't do Pawn Stars. I was saying you have to just mix in various reality. To find a new, find a new. You want me to find a yeah, new? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, okay. I can do Susan Waltman again. You are the reality dishes. Okay. Uh, one topic left, Calvin. We're going to round this thing out. But first, if you're listening to us, you probably already have this. And if you don't have this, you're a fool. So get it. So you're not a fool. It's the CLNS Radio mobile app. That was. <clears throat> Just get it. Just go get the app. It's on Apple, iTunes iPhones, your iPad, your iTV, your iClock, your iWatch, your iShoes, go get it. Get the app. CLNSradio.com slash iOS free. It's also on Android devices. I don't have any different names for Android devices. Just go get them. CLNSradio.com slash Android. Uh, the app is great, actually. It's, you, you can listen to the Careless Whispers whenever the hell you want. You don't have to wait for us to be on BTR or you post this show. You can just listen to past episodes and hear our wonderful voices. And we can just sing you to sleep. So get the app. 
All right, the final topic. I'm getting, I'm getting angry. I'm not angry, but whatever. The final topic. The NFL draft is coming up in a few months when it's warm, but the combine is going on right now. And uh, while Jameis Winston is not throwing, Jim Rome, I, I heard the other day, Calvin, says that Jameis Winston is winning the combine. That people have, he's coming across as very professional, professional, and that his uh, his football IQ is off the charts, and that people are being blown away by the way that he understands the game of football. So, does the fact that maybe the kid under he gets the game and he can he could play at a at an NFL level as far as his mind is concerned, does the does that erase the off the field troubles that he's had in the past and do you think that he's going to be the number one pick? I, I don't know if I buy it yet, but, I mean, if he can stay in shape and keep keep his arm in, in decent shape and get healthy again, I don't see why a team wouldn't take the chance on him in a few months. I don't see. I don't believe here. Here's what I don't get. Why, if, if, if America prefers or the Tampa Bay Bucks prefer James Winston to Marcus Mariota, why now, Ray? Why? That's what I want to ask you. This was before the combine, even. Why is it that the entire season, all we heard about was how Marcus Mariota was a lock for number one? He's he's bigger than James Winston. He's stronger than James Winston. He's faster than James Winston. All of those things were made true after the combine. Yeah, you're right. James got a lot of uh, credit for his professionalism, but that didn't do anything to change his draft position. All it did is do nothing to ruin it. You know, yeah, he did a good job at the combine as well. But before then, but so did Mariota supposedly. And before then, like he had already switched positions with him. I don't understand this idea that like, oh, Jameis is, is so much uh, more developed in, along with where he is in his career than Mariota. If that's the case, why was that not taken into account before the combine or before, like, or well before the season? Like, well, because people people worry about the off the field stuff first, and maybe they weren't just they just weren't asking him the the football questions, and he wasn't able to answer those questions. Oh, and now that they actually have him in a football setting, they can hear what he has to say about that stuff. Oh, I don't know. It's it's it was all media driven, yeah. too, right? That's what I think. All the football, all the off the field stuff still exists. That's everything. Like I just I don't get it. I don't understand what is it with these people. So is this just another instance? Is is this just another instance where the NFL is going to take on a kid that has some problems and uh, maybe he'll screw up a couple times and they'll try and sweep it under the rug like they do with hundreds of other players? I would have to assume. Maybe I think it's a little bit more difficult with a quarterback because they're in the spotlight more. Like Johnny Manziel, every little thing this guy does is like the biggest story ever. You know, you know what I mean? It's like true. I, I think you have a harder time doing that with your quarterback. Than you would guys in other positions, but um, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know who would I, who I would draft. I'm, I'm not an NFL GM. I think it's I think it's a tougher choice to be realized because, like I said, if you just look, I understand Jameis Winston is more uh, evolved in terms of having run a pro style set, but it's not like Mariota like never made any like never made any legitimate throws or like never did anything. And, and if you just look at his his tangible numbers. He's he's more athletic and faster than Jameis, so I I don't know I I guess I guess if you're Tampa and you're trying to like improve right away maybe you go for the guy who's who's less of a risk, uh, 
I get that. I just don't get like I don't get why that did also don't don't forget don't forget the marketing aspect of this thing. If the Tampa Bay Buccaneers draft Jameis Winston, they're going to fill that stadium. Don't don't even think twice about that. Don't question point. that. It will happen. They will they will sell out that stadium if they have Jameis Winston, at least for that full that first year. Because people from Tallahassee will go down there, people from Orlando will go, people from Miami, hell, will go probably up to see if this kid can hack it in the NFL. Tampa Bay will sell out if they draft Jameis Winston. You heard it here first. Yeah, I guess I really didn't consider that element of it. I guess it makes sense. So I wonder, I guess if they were smart, they should have immediately switched the number one pick over to Jameis the moment that Tampa secured that number one pick. But then why is... Then Seriously. Why is, I mean, if, you know what? I think if they had announced it, they probably would have gotten some season ticket holders, to be honest with you. But maybe they don't. I mean, obviously, they, they don't want to make a stupid decision. If he's if they know that he's not going to be good, then they're not going to announce that they're going to take him. But I think from a marketing perspective, he is the choice for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, I guess. So So then why is Jameis uh, – not Jameis. Uh, why does it appear that, that Mariota has fallen so far in – you know, a lot of projections when he's basically he, like his combine's been just as good as James's, and is it just you know, well? What what do you mean by falling so far in projections? Do you mean just falling down yeah, the draft that's, board that's or that's just? I mean. So that's the thing. After you take the first quarterback, isn't it most of the time teams don't need a quarterback after that? Like once the first quarterback is gone, there's a that's, big jump. I, I would say most. Not of the necessarily. Time. It depends on the year, and it depends on. It, yeah, it depends, it depends on how the next guy is rated, and that's that's really more the point that I'm making. It's like, like why would you not want Marcus Mariota? I don't know. We'll see. Like Marcus Mariota to me is, and I guess it's a bad comparison to make at this point, but he's like a he's like a better Colin Kaepernick. Like that's what I see out of this guy. Well, but 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 my point is, if you're just looking at the 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 board itself, just one through whatever. Maybe I mean he's not dropping down quarterback lists. It's not like he's falling behind other guys no. that are behind him. It's it's Jameis Winston number one, and then after that, the mock drafts are saying that uh, the teams behind him, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Oakland, they're going to take other players, defensive players, wide receivers. Mariota goes six to the Jets, and that's the first team with, a, with that would take a, a quarterback in the in these mock drafts. So it's not that Mariota is falling down the draft or down the quarterback rankings. And then after that, look, just looking at Sports Illustrated's mock draft, there's not another quarterback uh, in the first 16 picks. And as I load up the, the next 16 picks, I'm not seeing any quarterbacks in those ones either, Calvin. More defensive players, cornerbacks, linebackers, defensive ends, a couple of wide receivers in there. There's a safety here going to Pittsburgh. Uh I mean, as you get towards the end of the of the first round, obviously these teams don't need quarterbacks. Baltimore, Dallas, they're not drafting a quarterback in that position. So it's not that Mariota is falling down the the quarterback depth chart. It's that he falls down the draft board a little bit, which I think is reasonable just considering who's picking after the number one pick. If Mariota goes one to Tampa, Winston will fall to five or six or to six to the Jets in the same way. Why, why, I, I guess I don't I understand why Jacksonville wouldn't take him. I don't understand why Tennessee wouldn't take him, which is apparently there is two picks, yeah. right? Why wouldn't those teams take a quarterback? Right. Well, uh, in these mock drafts, if you want to believe them, 
I mean, I guess they like their quarterbacks, Gabbert and Jackson. Jacksonville, is he the guy? You're telling me know. Jacksonville loves Zach Mettenberger too much to draft Marcus Mariota? Tennessee. Sorry, Tennessee loves Tennessee. So here, so I'll read right from the Sports Illustrated mock draft right now uh, by, let's see. Yeah, Don Banks on Sports Illustrated. This is his mock draft. I don't know why I'm using this one instead of somebody else, but that's what we're going with. I get the sense Tennessee thinks highly enough of second-year quarterback Zach Mettenberger that it will explore his full potential rather than opting to anoint Marcus Mariota as the franchise's latest savior. Uh, then, so he says that they're going to go to defense and they want their own version of J.J. Watt, and they're going to take Leonard Williams from USC. As for Jacksonville... Uh, it doesn't really say anything about their quarterback, just that if the Titans pick a quarterback, the the Jaguars will take take Leonard Williams from USC, but if otherwise, he has them taking Dante Fowler from Florida, and I don't know, I mean, I don't, I, I don't even know who Jacksonville's quarterback is. Find that out. Go ahead. It's what's his face, the guy they the guy they drafted, who sucked. What was his name? Blake Bortles. Gabbert. Blake Bortles. Blake Gabbert. Oh, yeah. Bortles. Blake Bortles. So maybe they they want to give Bortles another chance. You know. Then you're looking at Oakland, uh, and they like Derek Carr, so they're going to go with Derek Carr as their quarterback. So they're not looking Washington to draft. Love. Washington, Washington, Washington after that. Yeah, Jake loves Robert Griffin. Yeah, I guess. I mean, this guy's got him taking a linebacker from Nebraska who I've never even heard of, Randy Randy Gregory. Great um, But I, I guess, yeah, they, they're going to give RG3 another chance. And then you see the Jets taking Marcus Mariota because if they pass on a quarterback, then holy crap. Yeah, I guess. All right. So what you're telling me is this is happening because a lot of NFL teams are full of idiots. That's really our... That's probably, what I'm getting out of this. Guy. Well, maybe you'll get him one too. Maybe these, maybe these mock. It's it's just the mock draft. Is maybe he's the idiot. But uh, yeah, maybe they'll go one two. Maybe Tennessee will say, yeah, well, let's let's have a fight. Let's have a let's have a quarterback fight here. Mariota Mettenberger, who wins? And maybe they can trade one of them. Who knows? But for now, the mock drafts are saying otherwise. We'll see what happens in a month or two. Uh, that's it for us, Calvin. Unless you got anything else you want to say to the no, people. No, I'm good, man. I don't think I have anything left. Mobile app, million listeners. You guys are awesome. LHR's book is awesome. I don't have anything else. That means I'm going to play this closing music and say good night to everyone. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Linda. And thank you, Peak Organic. Good night, good night. everyone.